0: This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. And it's week 10 of the college football season. It's also Halloween week. I have no confirmation on this. But I hear Alex Grinch is going to go as a defensive coordinator. That's what he's going to go trick-or-treating as. And that Lincoln Riley is going to pose as a coach who can recruit and develop quarterbacks who haven't been in another college program first. Again, no confirmation. We'll wait to see if that happens. But coming up on today's show, we will talk about OU's 27-13 victory over Iowa State. OSU's 48-0 loss at the hands of K-State. And just simply calling it a loss is putting up mildly. We got the new Big 12 television contract to talk about and what that means for the Big 12 and their member schools as a whole, in particularly Oklahoma State. And then we'll make our picks for the week and have our lock of the week, which, by the way, we are smoking on our picks, or we did last week. We'll see if we can't carry the momentum into this week. But first, OU went out and beat Iowa State 27-13, to and every win for OU was a much-needed win. And the great thing about doing a sports talk show or a sports talk podcast is to have strong opinions going into the weekend when they're when there are games, because you're either going to get them right, you're going to nail them head on, or you're going to be completely off. And as last week went along, I kept convincing myself that OU had no chance of beating Iowa State, or that OU's defense wasn't good enough to even stop a bad offense, um, quarterback by Hunter Decker, that eventually Iowa State would figure out that OU wasn't good, and they would end up winning. And, and Iowa State's defense would play good enough to keep this a low-scoring game, and OU would be Iowa State's first conference win. Thank God I was wrong on that. So wrong on that. And any logical person, any logical OU fan, okay, unless you just see the world through crimson glasses or you're just rooting really hard for Brent Venables to to have a great career at OU, no one could have thought OU's defense would come out and play the way that they did versus Iowa State. Now, I will caution you, while it was a great performance and we saw guys wrap up, drive their feet, you had the three picks. By the way, my MVP this week went to Justin Broyles simply because that's the guy that everybody picks on and he came away with one of those three picks. What I would caution you on is if you're thinking OU's going to be able to build off of this. I wouldn't go that far just yet. And obviously, we'll know more next week when they go out and when they play Baylor. And if they can recreate this kind of performance against Baylor, where guys are actually making tackles, when they have opportunities to take the ball away, they do so. When and if all this stuff happens, then we can say that OU's defense is trending in the right way. As of now, it's a nice one-off performance that Brent Venables should be able to go into his team this week and say, hey, look, all that stuff we've been working on, all the stuff that, that we've been doing, all these drills, guys, I told you it would pay off, and here it is. Here it is in the form of this 27-13 to win over Iowa State. You know you can do it, so just get out there. Get out there this week against Baylor and go play with the same kind of intensity. Play with that same kind of violence, force those turnovers that you were doing last week, and we'll come away with a win. Wow, I just I gave OU speech right then. Maybe I'm the one that should go talk to OU. And no, I think I'll leave that up to Brent Venables. Um, but honestly, um, if I'm looking for something that really impressed me about the way OU went about their business, is really Dylan Gabriel running the ball. Okay, Iowa State's defense, and think about this. If you're Matt Campbell, if you're Matt Campbell and somebody comes knocking on your door and says, hey, despite you being winless in conference this year because Iowa State isn't going to win a single game in the Big 12, if they do, that, that might be the most shocking development that we've had this year inside the conference is that Iowa State actually wins a game. But if somebody comes and knocks on Matt Campbell's door or calls his agent and wants to hire him, Matt Campbell needs to be on the first thing smoking. Reason being is that Iowa State team reminded me a lot of those Oklahoma teams of the 90s where you've got a good enough defense that can keep you in ball games. And think about this. OU was up 13 to nothing, 13 to 10 at one point, and had not even scored an offensive touchdown. Okay, they were they had scored 13 points without scoring an offensive touchdown. And while I know a lot of people were giving themselves high fives over the fake field goal, I'm one of those, like, I'll be honest. I hate gadget plays. Hate them. Hate fake field goals. Hate um, flea flickers. Hate, hate all that stuff. I, I want a base, you know, I want the offense to score. I don't want you to have to use tricks or trickeration to actually go out and score. I mean, if that's the only way you can do it, so be it. But I'd prefer you not be able to do that. Those kind of things worry me. It's like, all right, you had to score on a fake field goal. Now what? Iowa State's defense is really good, but they're just good enough for the offense to screw things up. And when Hunter Decker's going to throw three interceptions, as a head coach, you can't help but go back into your office, bang your head against the wall, and realize there's not a whole lot you can do to fix it. You pretty much, all you can do is work on everything you need to fine-tune every week, go through your reps, go through your team period, and then on Saturday... You're left hoping, hoping that your quarterback doesn't find the wrong jersey. You're left hoping that if there's an opportunity to run the ball, you can do it successfully. Iowa State actually outgained OU in this game, 374 to 332 in total yards. 308 of those came from passing the dadgum ball because you knew that they couldn't run it. Good job stopping the run. But uh, but what impressed me about OU because I think I I like got off on a tangent. I would have to say it was Dylan Gabriel being able to run the ball as as well as he did. And you, if you were scouring social social media at all during the game, you saw people. Oh, you didn't need to do so many called runs. Well, some of those could have easily been RPOs. And to the naked eye, that's it's very hard to see. But if Dylan Gabriel needs to run the ball. In order for OU to be successful, then do it. OU was past the point in time of putting him in bubble wrap. And if Davis Bevel, if Major Booty, if Matt Evers, if those guys can't get it done, they just can't get it done. But you need wins right now. If you're trying to build a program, you need wins. And you can't play safe football in order to get those wins because, quite frankly, you're not good enough. You're not good enough to play safe football, at least not on defense. Now, maybe they turn the corner. Um, I Again, I got to see the Baylor game this week before I go out on that limb and tell you that they've turned the corner. But you can't at least walk away feeling like they accomplished something. The other thing that um, I want to point out about this game, and again, it's, it's not a knock on OU. It's the compliment Anthony Johnson, number one, the defensive back from Iowa State. I want players like OU to play from him. That dude is just violent, and he'll wrap up, and he'll drive his feet, and he seeks out contact. contact. If OU can just get players like that, they'll be fine in the SEC, but you need to go out and find guys like that, which means Brent Venables, go turn over some rocks for the next couple of years while you're in the Big 12 and keep establishing that culture of not just physical football, but violent football. As for Oklahoma State this week, the biggest thing you walk away from after that 48 to nothing drubbing you took at the hands of K-State won, let's everybody, let's all pick up our mouths, all right? Because nobody thought Oklahoma State would lose a game like that this year. And I'll just say that I'm, well, okay, I'm sorry, not sorry that you're having to kind of hear the trash talk from OU fans. Because let's face it, OSU fans were giving it to OU fans after Texas and the K-State loss. and you know the three losses that OU took back to back which were just you know complete crap shows on OU's part so you know you're going to have to get it to give it back but the biggest thing you're worried about this week is whether or not Spencer Sanders can actually play for that upcoming game against Kansas because after taking that hit where he got driven to the ground and hurt his throwing shoulder again and you saw him wincing on the sidelines all you can think is that Gunnar Gundy's probably going to get the opportunity to play. And the reason you can come to that conclusion, because if what Mike Gundy said was true about changing up practices and them not being as tough as they normally are, and your team wasn't necessarily prepared to play, you can bet that won't happen again this year. You will go back and you will correct everything you need to correct in order to get to get them ready for Kansas, that's what's going to happen at Oklahoma State this week. Um, I, golly, that and here it was thought so disturbing about that loss is after that 62 yard run by Deuce Vaughn, you didn't think OSU was going to win that game. You didn't think they were coming back uh, against Texas. They were down, but you thought one Oklahoma State's been in this position. They can certainly come back. And it's the Big 12. No lead feels safe. 14 to nothing felt safe. 21 to nothing, which is the most dangerous lead in all of football, because it's a lead that fools the team who has it into thinking it's a lot bigger than what it actually is. Because it's really, it's it's only three plays. 21 to 7, you start to get a little scared. 21 to 14, now you're nervous. Really nervous about what could possibly happen. 21 to nothing in this game felt like it was 42 to nothing. And when when it was 28 to nothing and then obviously 35 to nothing at the half, you knew Oklahoma State was not coming back. They just didn't have it. They physically got whipped on both sides of the ball in the trenches, and that should never happen this year. And K State, you know, look, I love Chris Kleiman. Chris Kleiman saying that they had played their best football. Mike Gundy saying today, well, you picked a picked a bad time to do it because Oklahoma State did get their butts kicked in this. But that's a tough team, okay, and you're full of a lot of tough kids. Spencer Sanders probably being the most mentally and physically tough player that you've got in the Big 12. They will rebound from this. They will beat Kansas even if Gunnar Gundy has the play. And, yes, I will disagree with with a host that we've got on our station, that Gunnar Gundy is better than somebody that's just good enough to play at Southwest Missouri. This kid is athletic. Oklahoma State won't have to change the offense. I like him. And Kansas, I think we've seen the real Kansas start to develop here. As Big 12 play goes on, no. Um, Just an early tip on the picks. I like Oklahoma State this this week against Kansas. Are they my lock of the week? Well, We'll tell you a little bit later in the show. And up next... We'll discuss this new Big 12 media rights deal. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. Congratulations, Brett Yormark, on your $2.3 billion deal with ESPN for the Big 12. Yes, everybody high fives all the way around. Let's carry Brett Yormark on our shoulders across the football field. Look, he did what he was hired to do for the Big 12. but while we're high-fiving and while we're carrying him off, let's also think the Big Ten and talk about how this deal got put into place and why the Big 12 was able to make such a lucrative deal despite OU and Texas leaving. The reason the Big 12 was able to make this deal is because the Big 12, or excuse me, the Big Ten pulled all their content off ESPN. And when that happened, that actually gave the Big 12 leverage. They were able to go in and negotiate because here's what ESPN did not have. They did not have content. They didn't have programming. And when college football Saturday rolls around, you got to have something on TV. Well, we can't show the big 10 games anymore. And the big 12 knew it. So the big 12 was able to go in and say, you need something. And if you need something to put on your television, this is what it's going to cost you. Now, with the college football playoff money, with um, the NCAA giving giving these conferences money as well, meaning the the basketball pro, uh, basketball tournament, you're going to make around $50 dollars $50 per school during the life of this contract. Um, actually, the, the contract itself that ESPN gave that does not figure in the college football playoff doesn't figure in the NCAA tournament gives you about. Thirty-one point six billion, which isn't bad, but that's still less than the forty million or the forty-two million you're getting right now with OU and Texas being in the conference. So OU and Texas leaving brought it down, but when you add that other money to it, that's ten million more than what the Big Twelve was projected to get through the life of this deal, and fifty million dollars. Well, here's how that affects you, the fan, and why you should be interested in this one. You have a place to see the games that doesn't necessarily involve streaming, although OU and Baylor on ESPN Plus this week, and OSU's been on ESPN Plus this year. Get used to that a little bit more. You need to get used to streaming platforms a little bit more because that'll become more and more in vogue throughout the lengths of these contracts. And And, and get ready for, I would just say right now, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point all sports went went streaming, or all television straight up went streaming. But that's another conversation for another day. But um, with the Big 12, that $50 million you're getting, now it gives you a chance to just keep pumping more and more money into that football program. You can pay your assistants more, which theoretically should keep them around a little bit longer. Um, A guy like Luke Fickle is probably not going to stay at Cincinnati for very much longer. If he gets the opportunity to go to Ohio State or another one of these Big Ten schools comes open that he finds attractive, or heck, maybe Oklahoma goes after him. If something didn't happen, something things don't go right with Brent Venables, you're going to lose him. Gus Balzon probably stays at UCF. I don't see him moving back into the Power Five. Unless Mike Gundy gets into a nasty, nasty fight with Weiberg and Schram. he is going to stay at Oklahoma State. Uh, You'll lose, I think you'll lose Dave Aranda. Sonny Dykes is an interesting character because he's had his opportunity at Cal. That didn't go so well. He did such a great job at Southern Methodist with the transfer portal and bringing back kids from DFW to to, to go to SMU. He can probably do the same at TCU. And that's fertile ground for him to keep that program successful for a long time. Unless he would get a shot at, say, someplace like Texas. I don't think he's leaving. In fact, I think he might leave and go within conference. I could see him leaving from TCU going to Tech just to kind of, you know, fulfill his father's legacy. Lance Leipold, anybody at Kansas is a candidate to leave. Kleiman's probably too old to go someplace new. And again, you're winning at K-State. So if you're happy, why why screw with happy? So for most of these coaches, and I think more importantly, the assistants and the staff and being able to have – good support around you now you've got money to funnel into that. So for Oklahoma State, it's a good thing. And for OU fans, you're wondering why I'm not talking about the SEC's contract. It's cuz you know you're getting 100 million. And and for OU, it's less about the money at this point and just trying to figure out how you're going to get players to compete with the likes of Alabama and Georgia every week. Look at this. Tennessee. Last week they play Alabama. This week or this or this past week they played a 5 and 2 Kentucky the week before that, they played Alabama. This week, they played Georgia. There's a preview of what you're getting in the SEC. So recruiting, that's what is most important for OU. Finally, let's get to our picks. Uh, last week, we cleaned up, man. We were 4-1 in our picks. The only one we lost was Oklahoma State, K-State. Um, I picked OSU, and of course, they lost 49 nothing. We won the OU Iowa State uh, TCU, West Virginia. And we called the upset Baylor in the butt bowl over Texas tech out in Lubbock. So this week, where are we going? Well, we'll take Kansas state. Why get off that Chris Kleiman bandwagon. Now they're at a two and a half point underdog at home to Texas. I think they out physical, the horns beat them up the way that they did. Oklahoma state, uh, K state wins that one. I wanted to pick Iowa state versus West Virginia, but after watching Iowa state this week against Oklahoma, we know that game's going to be close. We know that Hunter Decker will throw multiple interceptions, and we know ultimately West Virginia will win. So even though Iowa State is a seven-point favorite on the road, I will take the home dog in uh, in West Virginia. I'll take the home dog, Mountaineers. Uh, TCU over Tech in an a no-brainer. That's TCU minus nine and a half. Um, love Joy McGuire. Think he could someday be the next head coach at Texas. Uh, this week, he's not going to beat Sonny Dykes. We'll take Baylor over Oklahoma, excuse me, Oklahoma over Baylor. I was about to say Baylor over Oklahoma. I'll take Baylor, or, or excuse me, Oklahoma over Baylor. Why do I keep screwing that up? Okay, I think that, that I think there's something subliminal maybe I'm trying to say there uh, that won't allow me to say it the way I want to. No, I'll take Oklahoma minus the three and a half, which is essentially a pick over Baylor. And my lock of the week is Oklahoma State minus two. Yeah, Oklahoma State minus two. Oklahoma State giving up two points to Kansas this week in Stillwater. That is my lock of the week. That finishes up this week's show. We thank you so much for taking time out to listen to us. Thank you. So please do me a favor. Uh, Please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. Tell us how we're doing. We certainly would appreciate it. Any feedback is good feedback. And until then... May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And I had a guy tell me if I'm going to do a quote, I got to make it meaningful. Well, I was going to co- quote John Lennon, but instead I will just tell you to simply, at some point this week, take his advice and relax your mind. Or actually, turn off your mind, relax, and float downstream. Wow, I really screwed that up towards the end. Well, all right, that's the show. Again, turn off your mind, relax, float downstream. At some point, I think you know what that means. If if you don't, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. Uh, look it up. It's tomorrow. Never knows. All right. Till then, have a good good week, and we will see you.